You're listening to the Teach Better Talk podcast featuring expert educators eager to share progressive tactics to reach more students. Teach Better Talk is created by teachers and fueled by passion. Let's get started. Welcome to episode 203 of Teach Better Talk. My name is Ray Heward, and as always, I'm with my very dapper friend, Jeff Gargas. How are you, Jeff? I did not see that coming after the conversation we were just having. Yeah, because you were being mean to me. Our listeners can know that before we hit record, Jeff was being a jerk face, just so y'all know. Except while I started this introduction, my dog got up from his dog bed um, and started looking at me. And I'm like, in my head, I'm like, oh, you need a haircut. And they get a haircut at the Dapper Pet. So there you go, Dapper it is. That's a really, I really like how that got to where it got. Um, Well, this is a very professional podcast. So, you know, we're very well You know, I I was giving you some grief beforehand. So I thought, like, she's going to pull out all the stops, meanness. And then right before you started going, I'm like, or... She's going to make it nice just because. And you went that route. So I appreciate it. But I appreciate it even more that it came from thinking about your dogs needing a haircut. Um, Yeah, you need to thank Alfred for that one. That just makes sense. Um, You know, it just makes sense. So, okay, Alfred, time to get your haircut, buddy. Uh, Do we need to take a break? Do we need to pause this so you can – do you do it? Do you use scissors and do it or do you take them somewhere special? You do it. I'm sorry. I just want all of you to imagine me with a little baby scissors cutting my mask. I want to imagine them all, all you to imagine me actually listen to what Ray said because she literally just said that she takes them to somewhere with dapper in it. So what's it called? I do. The Dapper Pet. It's in Bloomington Normal. You all should go. Very highly recommended. Shout out to the Dapper Pet. Nice job. All right. Yeah. You know, I I love local places. It's a local place with good people Mm -hmm. and, you know, I can't complain. They take good care of my puppies. I like it. All right. Cool. Hey, let's- by the way, this is not an ad, just to confirm for our listeners. <laughs> we have no affiliation with them. They're not paying us. We We're no- just fans. Um, <laughs> totally true. Yeah. On the other hand, we are affili- affiliated with what I would like to talk about. Um, and really, this dun, is one of those dun, things dun. I just kind of want to push play on Ray talking about how awesome this is. And so that's what I'm going for here. Okay. I'm nervous, but so yes. we're going to Go play ahead. a game. And this is, we didn't prepare for this. So I'm just literally making it up as I talk right now. Yeah, we can tell you're making gonna it up. It's very obscure. Keep going. Four words. I think it's four words. And then you're going to tell me the next things, the next thought that comes in your head when I say these four words. Got it? Oh, okay, I'm ready. Yes, Teach okay. Better Speakers Network. Oh, <laughs> fabulous, awesome, enthusiasm experts. That's wow. what comes to mind. That was good. Good plays. I, I assure you, listen, we did not practice that. That was just straight up. Um, yeah, I wanted to just sort of – I think it's been a while since we mentioned it, um, but we've got some things in the in the next near future where a lot of these uh, awesome speakers are are either coming with us somewhere or uh, taking a part in something that we're doing. You know, we've got the, mind, uh, the mindset meetups coming at the – you know, starting at the end of September. We've got, you know, a few folks like, like Dennis, uh, Sharon, and Maurice, uh, and – Mandy doing some virtual stuff really soon here and just and Kevin Butler and and uh, just some really cool stuff going on so I just wanted to kind of highlight the network as a whole because uh, it's just a super cool part of what we do I really I really love it just being able to highlight these folks and to be able to work with these amazing folks so if you could tell our audience anything any one thing about the teach better speakers network what would it be 
I love just like giving you these um, little prompts with no, with no. Yeah, that's a great question. Uh, now, hold on. I, I, before you, know you go, I do want to note that I, I am getting better, Ray, because I did not tell you to do it in 30 seconds or less. I'm giving you the floor at this that's point. True. So that's very different. Yeah, Normally, I'm like, Ray, in three seconds or less, can you tell us about your life story? Go. And I did do that this that time. That is true. In the 203rd episode, you have finally learned to not put a time <laughs> limit on me because I won't need it anyway. No, I will say, like, the Speakers Network to me is the perfect example of an extended hmm. family. Like, yeah, we have the Teach Better team and yeah, we do professional development. I mean, literally that's how the Teach Better team exists is that we partner with districts and we help teachers, you know, be a little bit better today than they were yesterday and a little bit better tomorrow than they were today. And we do a lot of stuff. But like all that being said, the Speakers Network is a huge, massive support of other educators who are experts in other fields that continue to have this mindset of helping educators be better today than they were yesterday and better tomorrow than they were today. And I love being affiliated with these incredible speakers because to know that not only when Chad's out doing a workshop that we're spreading that teach better mindset, but Kevin Butler, who does incredible work going out, Mandy Freilich and you know Dr. Neil Gupta and Dr. Shemaine Bertrand, like these are experts who share on so many different ideas that get to go out and not only share on their expertise and truly impact educators, but really continue to share that teach better mindset to educators across the world. And I'm I'm so glad that districts are and districts and conferences, I guess, are choosing to bring them into their communities to share their voices. Because holy cow, are these powerful educators! I I just love them so much. Mm, I like it. That was good. Well, more than right. Shout out to our our, our awesome. Speakers Network speakers, we appreciate you. Um, super cool. You can find out more over at teachbetter.com slash speakers network and check them all out and connect with them and learn and grow with them as well. So let's keep talking about awesome educators. Uh, let's talk about our guest tonight, Sean Rubin. He is the chief education officer at the Highlander Institute in Rhode Island. Uh, 10 plus years in the classroom, 10 years uh, now working with, uh, with schools and districts and, and school leaders and district leaders to help uh, just challenge like tackle the challenges that they have and, and continue to be creative and, and meet the needs of their students. He's also an author of uh, the book Pathways of Personalization, a framework for school change. We give away a few copies in this episode, so make sure you listen all the way through. Uh, but uh, Sean's a guy who you connected with several years ago and brought him into a world, and it's been a while. We've been trying to get him on the podcast. We're able to work it out, and he did not disappoint. Totally delivered so much value, and I'm super pumped for everyone to listen to it. Ray, anything we should know about this episode, about Sean, or maybe even about your dog's hair? No, I'm a huge fan of Sean. Definitely go follow him. Check him out. Check out the work he's doing at the Highlander Institute. I mean, these are really powerhouse educators in my mind. So I was so glad to reconnect with Sean this episode. And with that being said, let's get to episode 203 with Sean Rubin. All right, we'll be right back with that episode. But I do want to make sure that you know that you should be listening to all the podcasts, a part of the Teach Better Podcast Network. Yes, Teach Better Talk is a fun one. And we really appreciate that you have subscribed and hopefully rated and reviewed this podcast. But we also have other podcasts that we have the opportunity to highlight over in our podcast network. Head over to teachbetter.com slash podcast to see the full list. All right, we are here. We are chatting with Sean Rubin. Sean, awesome to have you on the podcast, man. Super excited to, to dive into your story, learn more about you, and just chat with you tonight. Before we get 
too far into things, man. How are you feeling right now? You know, I'm good. I'm good. It's been a, a great day. I just got off, uh, had vacation last week. So spent a week um, at a lake house with the fam and my boys were in the water swimming most days and I was reading and sleeping. So it was, uh, it was very rejuvenating and now ready for this, this pushback uh, as school starts up. So I'm doing well. I'm very, uh, very excited to be here with you guys. It's been a long time coming. Yeah, Sean, I was so glad when we actually got this booked because you and I have been connected, gosh, for a number of years, um, but we haven't gotten to catch up in a while. And I was kind of excited to have you on the podcast and feature you, but also selfishly to, to do a little bit of catch up because I know you've been extremely busy the last few years um, with all the work that you're doing, not only just in education, but just supporting teachers in general. So um, as we kick off our first question, would you mind telling us a little about yourself, kind of what you do in education and anything in between? Sure, definitely. So um, I've been a you know a career uh, reluctant educator is kind of how I describe it. I'm the son of uh, two career educators. Uh, one is uh, was a building principal, one was a, a curriculum director for, for science for her district. My mom was a curriculum director for science for her district. And uh, but, you know, so I taught for about 10 years and now I'm the chief education officer at the Highlander Institute, where um, most of my days are spent working with our team, supporting uh, schools and districts around around the country to, you know, improve instruction and, and, and support, uh, you know, students and families to, to get the best experience out of school possible. It's, it's been a, it's been a journey. I, you know, I'm, I'm excited to, to be here to talk with you guys uh, about that tonight, but it's, uh, it, it's one in which, um, you know, I think I'm kind of uh, finding my way as, as I go, but it's, uh, it's great to, uh, to be able to have opportunities like this to, to dive in and chat. Yeah, so let's, let's talk about that journey and the journey that you've had and a couple of different, uh, different roles and different positions in in education, you know, one of the things that we talk about on this podcast is is failure. I always say that I've I've been fortunate enough to fail a lot, meaning because I've haven't always enjoyed those failures at the time, but they've always taught me something that's got me where I am right now. So, can you share a story with us about a time that you've had a failure or a challenge you've had to overcome? Share us what happened. Uh, how did you overcome that, and what did you take away from that experience? Yeah, um, you know, fa- <laughs> failures are are daily occurrences for me. Um, it feels like. Uh, you know, as, as leaders of organizations trying to do work that, you know, is, is aspirational in practice, you, you're always uh, making mistakes and, and learning through, through your errors. I would say, you know, at the organization, Highlander Institute, um, you know, we, we deeply believe in uh, the process of continuous improvement and figuring out where we've kind of gone astray and how we can uh, improve through that learning. And, you know, I think one of the the biggest realizations that we've been kind of working around for the last couple of years is this, you know, the, the failures of, of even some of the ways that we've approached um, our work with schools and districts around, you know, kind of focusing very heavily on model design for like blended learning models or focusing very heavily on the creation of these perfect classrooms with all these innovations happening all over the place, but really ultimately missing the mark in terms of the fact that we have individual students with individual needs to, you know, that they're looking to be de- to, to develop. And, and oftentimes these amazing pieces of, uh, you know, classrooms that we've created aren't actually even hitting the needs of the students in, in the ways that, that we need. And so, you know, they're almost doing the same thing that the, the traditional models used to do. And so I think as an organization, um, one of our biggest failures was really focusing on that, that kind of, uh, that container versus focusing on the actual like needs and, and individuality of, 
of each individual learner in that in that classroom. I think it's been really interesting in you know this COVID time to be thinking about each of these individual students kind of sitting in their own home, very separated from the school and the building in those ways. And I think it's also so it's really reinforced for us this idea of kind of the the classroom of one. This this concept that is that as a student. Um, you are you are bringing these funds of knowledge that you have in your home and in your 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 culture and your community into the into the school building each and every day, but there's actually not really a lot of opportunity to engage that in the work. And so I think that was a major failure of ours early on was not seeing and acknowledging and and, and really um, uplifting that that um, that aspect of uh, of schooling. And so it's something that um, you know we're, we've kind of become very much recommitted to. Um, or as we do our work moving forward. So now let's let's flip that. Now let's talk about a successful moment you had. This could be something big or something small, but tell us what happened. Why was it a successful moment for you? And then what'd you take away from that? Yeah, you know, I think one of the things that came out of our initial kind of analysis of our our early work was um, kind of the the intense focus we had on us as coaches working directly with teachers but not actually kind of tapping into the community that also, you know, needed to be engaged in that for that, that classroom experience for each individual student and family to be successful. So in the book where, um, that, that we're going to uh, hope that we're going to talk about today that we wrote, um, a few years back, uh, called pathways to personalization, we really kind of focused on how can we, um, engage the families in and the community um, partners that exist around these school buildings and exist, you know, who are sending their children in and out of these schools every day in the actual redesign and school change process. And so I think some of the best successes that we've had over the last year, year and a half in terms of doing this work has been those opportunities to really bring families deep into the design process, to have them sit on design teams, which meet, you know, almost quarterly with the, with the you know, local teachers, the building administrators, the district leaders, and really get to kind of analyze some of the local data and um, an experience that the students are having within that particular school. And then that op- provides opportunities for them to give feedback. It provides opportunities for them to push on the, the learning a little bit more. Um, you know, so bringing up these multiple engagement points for families to get involved in the school change process, I think has really been um, an exciting success that we've had. And one that, you know, continues to kind of build on itself. You know, we, we every time we do it, we notice all the ways in which we, you know, could have done it better. Whether it was a, uh, you know, better translation for families that that spoke multiple languages, or um, the opportunity to kind of make it uh, more of a fun and jovial and lively experience, as opposed to kind of more like a, a PD experience. And so, you know, we're constantly learning better practices for engaging families. But I think that's an area that uh, of our work that I'm super excited about because it actually helps make the quality of the teacher instruction better. It helps the student engagement levels. It helps. It helps every aspect of the school in terms of improvement. Well, Sean, I really, I mean, this is how we originally connected. I really love that this continues to be a focus for you because you guys are doing such important work in these areas. It's a huge success. I mean, I've loved kind of following your journey and the journey of, I mean, every educator that you guys have been able to work with. I know you said that was exciting, but I, but you know, there's always so many things that are exciting about the work we're doing in education. So if you had to pinpoint kind of what fuels your fire or something maybe that's exciting you right now with all that you're doing, uh, would you mind sharing uh, maybe something else that, that sure. really continues to, to keep you engaged in education? Yeah, no, definitely. Um, you know, I think 
the the piece that's that's got me really excited right now has been you know in the the wake of the the tragedy of the George, George Floyd murder and the Breonna Taylor murder like people are are really starting especially in the education space to talk more broadly about anti-racist practices about culturally responsive teaching strategies about ways in which we're going to have hard conversations in school to start to undermine and 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 and, and attack uh, white supremacy as it as it exists in our schools and classrooms. I've seen things that people are throwing around on Twitter and social media now that you know were really not, not even talked about openly in especially in white spaces um, prior to this this massive shift. And I think it's been um, super exciting for us as an organization that has talked a lot about this internally, done work with some schools that have come to us and asked us for that type of work, but really. Now being able to bring that work into every single engagement, um, we have a culturally responsive and sustaining um, pedagogical framework that our director of pedagogy, Malika Ali, uh, has created that you know was kind of an undergirding of a lot of our coaching, but wasn't really something that was very forward-facing. And the four domains of that framework are really powerful, and we're starting to unpack them and create actual like uh, coaching cycles uh, around that that we can bring into classrooms and, and kind of push teachers around what what are you how are you showing up for your students what are ways are you allowing your students to to um you know bring their their culture and their their community into the classroom what are the ways that you're you know kind of looking at your own practices and ways that you have lower expectations for students of color or what so all of those different pieces are things that we are now able to really start to unpack a little bit more because the demand is there um and i hope that this is it doesn't feel like a fade but i fad but i'm really I'm really concerned that this will fade over time. And so we're really trying to like take as much opportunity right now to engage in those conversations. And, you know, there's so much for us to learn as white educators around this in this space. So there's, it's just like every single day, I feel like I'm actually learning something new about myself, my own practice, my practice with my, uh, my staff at the organization, uh, but also just practice more, uh, more broadly. And so it's been, it's been a really exciting time um, to think about how we can really push on um, on these systems that are that have been oppressing um, black and brown students for way too long. Absolutely. You know, Sean, it's funny with everything that you do, I don't know how you're necessarily going to give a piece of advice because I'm confident that with all the coaching you do with teachers, you probably could rattle off hours and hours of advice, but maybe even related to the book that I know that we want to discuss in this podcast recording and everything in between, would you mind kind of finding what your piece of advice is that you'd like for educators to consider? Sure. Um, you know, I think first and foremost, when, when I was in the classroom, um, you know, and, and really struggling the, you know, the, the best piece of advice that, you know, my, my principal gave to me was you've got to go to where your students are. Um, and you've got to actually engage with them in the places where they're engaged. Um, and I think that for teachers and especially teachers right now, um, when we're potentially starting school in most places without actual face-to-face -face interactions with our students, without real face-to-face -face interactions, um, to be able to build that community right there in that classroom together, um, you have to find ways to actually connect on the students' terms. Um, for me, when, you know, it wasn't COVID times, that was attending their baseball games or taking them to play, to play basketball or going to the house and, and, and sitting on the floor and playing Legos, you know, as an elementary teacher. Um, 
there were ways that I was, and every time when I would put that effort in versus putting effort into my lesson plan or putting effort into, you know, curriculum design or putting effort into to the places where teachers usually invest a ton of time and energy, those things paid off much less than when I actually was able to engage with a student and, and show them that I was taking a step in their direction. Um, that was the place where it really opened up and the amount of work and the quality of the work and the quality of the relationship and the ways in which we were then able to actually progress in the classroom um, paid off, you know, you know, hundredfold. So I think that would be my advice is that even in this time when you can't actually get with your students face to face, you've got to share yourself. You've got to show your own vulnerability, your humanness. You got to own your faults. You got to talk openly about your blind spots. Um, and you really, really just have to, to find a way to, to figure out what it is that lights that student up when they're not around the, the classroom or when they're not in the school space and, and make sure that they understand that that's something that you value and care about and, 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 and do it in an, in an honest and authentic way. I love that, Sean. I love that Find, finding where they are at and meeting them where they're at, figuring out, I love how you, how you said it, finding what lights them up and, and being a part of that and show them and then and being authentic in that and really wanting to know them and wanting to get to know them and care about them. It's so, so crucial. So I uh, really appreciate it. That's great advice. Let's talk about the book really quick. Um, I know we're going to do uh, we're gonna do a giveaway because you're awesome and you want us to give it. We're going to give away five copies. Uh, so keep listening and make sure you get figure out how to do this. But before that, Sean, can you share with us, the book's called Pathways to Personalization, a Framework for School Change. Can you give us the uh, the overview? What what's the book about? Who's it for? Kind of how did it come about? Yeah, no, definitely. So I was kind of describing before when you were talking about our failure moment, the ways in which we had, as an organization, you know, been doing a lot of work in terms of coaching in classrooms and supporting individual teachers to create these, like you know, really what we thought were efficient and innovative models. But when we actually started to unpack that, we saw a couple of different challenges. The first challenge was that the teachers were doing the majority of the work and the students were not becoming further independent in the work that they were doing. And so we really knew that we needed to kind of shift our focus in terms of pedagogy to what are the practices that teachers can use to help build up student independence in the classroom. And then the second piece was that once you start to do that, what we were finding was that even in our best moments of coaching, um, it, the, the practices that we were doing, that we were working with teachers around were not necessarily scaling. And so when we started to unpack reasons why both those uh, first individual practices were more focused, uh, in, were focused on the wrong things and why those better practices were not scaling, we realized that there were actually a lot of challenges within the education space to the, the, the ways in which folks thought about change management and how leaders or even teacher leaders not necessarily building leaders, but any leader is able to kind of drive the change and the improvements that we want to see in our schools and classrooms. And we felt like that part of the reason that there was so little of that happening was that people didn't actually know of the process. They didn't actually know a good process for driving change with a large stakeholder group. And so the framework, uh, the Pathways Personalization is really a book that's, that's laid out in five phases of a, of a linear process. And, you know, it starts, it's, it's got aspects of, you know, lean startup uh, design, starting small, finding the minimum viable products, scaling it quickly. It's got aspects of continuous improvement and learning science. It's got aspects of, you know, best practices around personalized professional development. It's got best practices around analyzing data to more deeply understand where improvements can be made. There's, there's a lot of different component pieces that we kind of put together. But I think that the real special sauce of it that everyone 
seems to really get excited about when they read it is that it's a process that that goes from like, you know, there are gates and activities that you kind of progress through with this large uh, design team that again, as I mentioned kind of earlier, has different representation across the space from parents to students to teacher leaders to everybody. And the, the, the ways in which principals or what we call lead change agents who drive this work oftentimes get distracted because they don't have a choice, right? COVID happens and you have to shut down your building. Uh, there's a there's a crisis in terms of a student. There's a uh, you know a, a crisis in terms of a teacher, and then the the leader gets distracted, and that's what ends a change effort. Or that leader gets hired into a higher position or into another district, and that ends that change effort. What we felt like is if we could put together a linear process based off of best practices and a lot of different research that we were reading, that was linear. If you got distracted or if you left, someone else could enter into that that process and continue that process based off the fact that it was all kind of laid out in your mm-hmm. pattern. So that's really what the book's about. It's about driving change in a way that is owned by the community. It's about getting to better practices through consensus building with, with more members of your community. And, um, and really hopefully what we're hoping is, you know, now as we're running this process in more and more schools around the country, we're actually codifying more and more dip resources that are aligned to this framework and now starting to share those more publicly on our website, highlanderinstitute.org. So if you're interested in kind of, you know, taking the book and even, you know, as an organization supporting that book, we're building additional resources on top of that. So we're getting a lot of really good um, excitement out of the book, and we're getting a lot of uh, folks that are starting to kind of adopt this process as a way of driving change in their schools and districts. Awesome. So let's give away a couple copies here. Ray, what are we going to have them do? I think so, so as we always do this, you're going to get on, on Twitter or Instagram, do a, a, obviously a hashtag teach better, hashtag teach better team, or I'm sorry, teach better talk. And then what should we ask? I mean, Sean, what I'm looking for is like maybe for them to answer a question that pertains to the book or define a word that's in the book. Do we want to, do we want to maybe go that route or do we just want them to say, Hey, I think Sean's awesome. Can I get the book? And I'm okay with that. Like that's perfectly yeah, fine. We, gotta, we can get a few people to. I think educators got enough on their plates right now with uh with Let's everything do that. they're doing. We keep with. it simple. Yeah, just just say we hey. Keep it simple. Hey, I heard yeah. the podcast. I want the book. <laughs> there you go. Shout out hashtag Teach Better hashtag Teach Better Talk and literally just say I heard the podcast. I want the book. If you want to throw in there, Sean's awesome. That's fine too. We'll take <laughs> we don't it. Need that. I love it. We're gonna give away five copies. Appreciate you doing that, Sean. Let's let's keep having some fun here. We're gonna do the next six questions. Your goal yep. is to answer each one in fifteen seconds or less. You ready? Yeah, I think I screwed up though. I already uh, answered question six uh in my it's previous right. answer you, so i'm gonna have to uh, it's all good all right all right i'm gonna have to come up with one on the spot don't there. worry about it don't 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 go in your you're in your head get out of there out it's of good it. you right. got this dude all right. all right what is one ed tech tool you cannot live without uh i you know talking points has been a an app that i've been uh it, it's for communicating with families again kind of going back to the piece i was talking about before about making sure that we're engaging families and students um you know in the through the community i think that that is going to be one if you don't have an, a way of Texting with your families and your students as you move into this uh, this COVID school year, uh, you definitely need one. And Talking Points translates in like tons of different languages for anyone that's working with multilingual families. Uh, give us a book you're reading right now. So I'm actually rereading the autobiography of Malcolm X right now by Alex Haley. It's been um, it's amazing to see the truth in 1960 is the truth in 2020. It's it's depressing. I think. Uh, you know, Malcolm X would be rolling over in his grave if he knew that the same conversations and questions were still happening. 
Um, and then the other book that I highly recommend that I'm reading right now as part of a book club is uh, a book by Bell Hooks called Teaching to Transgress, uh, Education as the Practice of Freedom. Um, fantastic book, builds a lot on the work of Paulo Freire, but really talks a lot about um, kind of the, the feminist approach that is was missing from Freire's work in a way that, um, that Bell Hooks really drives home. It's, it's a really powerful book. Uh, who do we need to follow on Twitter or Instagram today? Well, you got to follow us. So at Highlander Inst, we actually have a spotlight series that we're doing where we're giving away um, free content for teachers right now. Um, so sign up. It's in the upper right-hand corner. Lots of distance learning resources. But the one that I'm most excited about just kind of started, um, if you're not familiar with the Abolitionist Teaching Network, they've been um, putting out some really impressive content lately, including a guide for socio-emotional learning that is unlike any guide for socio-emotional learning that you'll see on Twitter. So you want to check them out at ATN underscore 1863. Um, and then our friends here in Rhode Island, we have two organizations that are really doing some incredible work in anti-racist um, practice and culturally responsive practices. Uh, Diversity Talks is an organization that put together two webinars um, for white folks um, that, that definitely you can actually sign up and get those. And then the Equity Institute, is doing a ton of great work around uh, teacher recruitment for teachers of color, thinking about organizations and how they can be more culturally responsive and anti-racist. Um, just some incredible work with uh, with school leaders and, and teachers. So that's another one to follow at Equity Inst. What's a good uh, YouTube channel, website, or podcast for educators? So I'm, I, I'm not a YouTube person per se, which is kind of strange to be even saying out loud. But uh, podcasts, I definitely am listening to. Jonathan Santos Silva um, of the Library Institute uh, just started a new podcast called The Board of Ed. Um, the latest episodes you can get on The Board of Ed, and the board is spelled B-O-R-E-D dot uh, com. And uh, they're amazing. Uh, just he brings in people that he's kind of found. They're lesser known people. They're um, completely focused on uh, liberation, education, and uh, the conversations have been just incredible to listen to. And then a shout out to our podcast at the Highlander Institute called the Be Education Podcast. Christina Corser and Nick DiNardo do an incredible job. Uh, lots of tips and tricks as well as deeper conversations with a range of uh, education practitioners. Ooh, we love when we're able to recommend new podcasts. Sorry, Jeff. I love when we're able to recommend other podcasts for our listeners to go check out. Yes. Yes. Those are, those are two good ones. I did mess up daily, you're messing me up just constantly, girl. <laughs> it's well, all good, right? All good. You know what? You know, job. Keep, keep job going, the the funny going. thing was, right, I almost paused after that because I had a feeling you were going to say something because I know like anytime someone recommends podcasts, you're jotting them yeah. down and getting excited. So I should have known better. I'll take the blame for that one. All right. I'm glad. I mean, this is episode like 203. The fact that you don't I know should that know by now. <laughs> All right. Uh, back on track now, Sean. Give us a daily, weekly, or monthly routine every teacher should get into. It's got to be exercise and meditation. Um, they're, 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 the amount of strain emotionally and physically that you take as a teacher, I don't think people realize it. And uh, it really is the, the only way that I, I think I've been able to kind of make it through is through trying to get as much exercise as I can into my week and, and trying to get at least five minutes of meditation in every morning. And the best piece of advice you've ever received? Well, I talked about this, alluded to this a little bit earlier, but I'm going to say it again because I want to make sure I shout out my first principal, Jim Donahue. Um, 20 years ago, when I was in the classroom as a third grader, a third grade teacher, um, I had a student 
a couple students that were really giving me fits. And, you know, he actually, when I went to him, I was going to him to complain. I was basically going to say like, I, I don't know what to do with these guys, these two boys in my classroom. I, I'm, I'm at a loss. What do I do? And I was figuring he was going to say, all right, well, what do you need me to do? Call on the parents? You need me to suspend? What do you know? Like that as, you know, as a, as a young teacher, that was my mindset. And his advice was, you got to go to them. You got to go out into their, where they are, show them that you are interested in what they're interested in, meet them halfway. And, uh, and the results it will be, will, will pay for themselves. And, and it was the best advice I ever got. And, um, in a way that we've kind of, uh, designed our work at the Highlander Institute and, and all of our work moving forward is, um, you really have to make sure that you're, uh, you're engaging the community and not condescending to your community. Sean, you literally always share so much good value. I'm so glad that we were able to have you on the podcast. I'm so glad to, for myself to just have an update on all the work that you're doing. But I really, really hope that all of our listeners really take the time to not only learn from what you share, but really stay connected, whether it be you know reading the book or connecting with you on Twitter or listening to the, the Highlander podcast. I mean, geez, there's so much information out there that you're doing such good work. I hope that this continues to be a part of the conversation. Would you mind sharing how people can stay connected to you? Yeah, definitely. So the easiest way is definitely on Twitter at Sean C. Rubin. Um, we have a blog. Uh, well, not, we have a, not really a blog, but the Institute website is just a wealth of resources. So highlanderinstitute.org. Um, and then, you know, just, yeah, reach out to me on Twitter. Any other way is, uh, is probably going to be slower, but that, 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 that works. Awesome. And you, know, you can find all the links and resources and everything we mentioned in this episode over at teachbetter.com, as well as those really important links for connecting with Sean, keeping the conversation going. So head over to teachbetter.com for all of that. Be sure to hit subscribe so you don't miss any upcoming episodes. And if you can give us a rating and a review, we'd really appreciate that as well. Let's keep taking this one step further. Think of just three of your colleagues who need to hear these amazing stories and connect with these amazing educators and share this podcast with them. Uh, Sean, this was great, man. So much value in this episode. Super excited for everyone to hear. Uh, if you make sure that you're getting the, t the tweets out and telling us that Sean is awesome, so you can win one of the copies of the book. I uh, just really appreciate you doing that as well and just spending some time with us, man. Thank you. No, it's great. I've been looking forward to getting a chance to chat with you guys. So thanks for making the time. I appreciate it. And until next time, let's get out there. Let's teach better. <laughs>